0: Welcome to Ancient Word's Modern Message. I'm your host, Roger Wombold. The past is a mirror, and the more we examine what came before us, the more we can understand where we are heading. In this episode of Ancient Word's Modern Message, Roger Wombold shares thoughts from the heart and personal experience regarding the war in Israel. He directs attention to the quest for real and lasting peace and how it can be achieved. Join us and listen in to Bagelside Chat Number 2. Welcome to this episode of Ancient Words, Modern Message, an episode we call Bagelside Chat Number 2. I'm Roger Wombold, your host, and I thank you for tuning in to this episode. You might recall that some episodes ago, when we introduced Bagel Side Chat Number One, I mentioned that it was the practice of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt during a period of time between the years 1933 and 1944 to broadcast a series of informal talks to the American people, which he called fireside chats. It was President Roosevelt's purpose to, through his fireside chats, provide encouragement to the American people at a very difficult period of time in their history. But in addition to encouragement to also provide information about the status of things, particularly the status of the war, and in some cases to actually correct misinformation that was circulated. Well, we don't call these chats fireside chats because I'm not sitting next to a fireside. But rather, we call them bagel side chats because on occasion I might have next to me, as I speak into this microphone, a bagel with cream cheese, maybe a cup of coffee. But in any case, our purpose is similar to that of President Roosevelt. And that is to provide to you who are listening to these podcasts, and in particular, these bagel side chats, some encouragement in some very, very difficult days and difficult times, but also to provide for you some information, and in some cases, to provide correction of misinformation. It was Saturday morning, October the 7th. My wife and I were getting ready for the day in the morning. I was having my first cup of coffee when we received a text from a friend who asked how we were feeling about the news that was reported regarding an invasion in Israel. Of course, immediately, I turned to a number of news sources, television broadcast news, and online sources to hear the report of the horrific invasion by the Islamic militant group Hamas, across the Gaza border and into southern Israel. The result, of course, of that invasion and the hours which followed was unspeakable in terms of the magnitude of the terrible things that took place and were done. The result was approximately 1,400 deaths. Most of those, civilian deaths in the southern part of Israel. Some of them, deaths of IDF, Israeli Defense Force soldiers. That number actually might still, at this time, be adjusted upward, because in many cases, as a result, of the actions of the Hamas terrorists. Bodies have not yet been identified. Bodies have not yet been discovered. In addition to the 1400 deaths, there was the taking of hostages by the Hamas terrorists across the border, which they had breached earlier, into Gaza, where those hostages, the number right now, is standing at approximately 210 where those hostages, even as I speak now, are being held in Gaza. And I'm sure that you can understand that following that report, I, like so many of you, have been following very, very carefully the news out of Israel as to where things stand and what is progressing. However, beyond the general level of interest, which I know many, many people have with regard to these events, I need to say that for my wife and myself, the interest is more than just general interest. It has a very, very, personal dimension to it. It's been my privilege to serve as Director of Hebrew Christian Fellowship for the last 32 years. And in my capacity as Director of Hebrew Christian Fellowship, it's been my privilege to travel extensively back and forth to Israel. It's been my privilege to to work with many folks in Israel uh, who are involved with various ministries uh, who are ministry affiliates of ours in Hebrew Christian Fellowship. And we've gotten to know so many, many people as our ministry affiliates, as ministry colleagues, and as dear, dear friends. And I would say that this is not only true of Israeli Jewish believers in Jesus. It is also true of Arab believers in Jesus, we've gotten to know, and in some cases, uh, friends who are Jewish and not yet believers in Jesus, and Arabs who are friends and are not yet believers in Jesus. And so, when I hear the reports of what is going on in Israel, I'm not only hearing statistics and numbers, but I'm seeing faces. For example, one of the individuals who is involved in uh, the Israeli Air Force uh, is someone I have known since he was just a very young boy. And so when I hear of the air campaign, from uh, southern Israel into Gaza, I'm thinking immediately of of that individual and of his family. And so it is with so many others. No doubt many of you hearing this podcast have heard that uh, many of the Israeli men and women Uh, who had already completed their active service in the Israeli military some time before, were called up immediately after Saturday morning, October the 7th. Uh, They were reservists who were activated. And in fact, 360,000 reservists were activated and are presently in active duty, in addition to the many, many IDF, Israeli Defense Force soldiers, and IAF, Israeli Air Force uh, members who are serving at this time. The fact is that the many congregations of Jewish believers that uh, are throughout Israel have lost many members of their congregation uh, in the sense that they are now uh, unable to be involved with the congregation because they are now in active duty, either in the southern part of Israel, uh, close to Gaza, or in the northern part of Israel, or in other places in Israel at this very critical time, providing security. Uh, The result is an enormous challenge to these congregations in Israel. And, of course, in so many cases, uh, men and, in some cases, women have had to leave families. That is to say, they've had to leave their spouses, their children, other family members, in order to step into harm's way. As it now stands... There is no way of knowing how long this uh, present situation is going to continue or how it is going to be resolved. But one thing is clear, and that is it is going to be extremely complicated. In order to understand precisely what has happened, beginning with this horrific event, on Saturday morning, October the 7th, we have to understand that Hamas operating out of Gaza, uh, the southern part of uh, the country, but an area that has not been controlled by Israel since 2006, but rather has been completely under the control of a Palestinian government, a government which was elected in 2006 by the Palestinian people, and their choice of a government was a government that would be run by Hamas. Hamas is an Islamic terrorist group that has as its main goal, its main objective, and its main purpose, the destruction of, of the Jewish state of Israel, and to place control and authority of all of Israel uh, under the Palestinians. The device or the strategy that is used by Hamas is terror, the kind of activity that took place in unimaginable ways on Saturday morning, October the seventh. It is interesting to know that the the greeting that Jewish people uh, use with one another uh, so very often and so very frequently is shalom. Shalom. Shalom is what Jews say to each other when they meet on the street. Shalom is what Jews say to each other when they part company and say goodbye to each other at the end of a greeting or a meeting. Shalom is that, is that wonderful expression that means so many good things to so many people. It is, of course, the Hebrew word for peace. For peace. And in fact, I think it can be fairly said and accurately said that what the Jewish people want in Israel and really everywhere more than anything else is peace. And yet, in Israel and in their history, they have experienced so very, very little peace. By contrast, we have the Islamic terrorist group Hamas, and actually the Friday after the, uh, the horrific attack, uh, the massacre in the southern part of Israel on October 7th, the Friday after that, Friday the 13th, one of the high-ranking Hamas officials living not in Gaza, but actually living in Qatar and speaking from there, issued a call to uh, Muslims around the world to rise up in what is called a Day of Jihad, Jihad is, of course, the Arabic word for holy war. And this leader of Hamas was actually encouraging uh, people around the world to rise up in war. What a contrast that is with what the Jewish people want, and that is peace. That's a very, very important thing for us to keep in mind and for us to remember. We here at Hebrew Christian Fellowship are asking people everywhere to pray fervently for the situation in Israel. There are many of our brothers and sisters in Jesus who are serving in the military, who will certainly be in harm's way even more than they are now. There are families that have been affected heavily already by the loss of a loved one among the 1,400 who were massacred uh, on October the 7th, or uh, who have a family member or a friend who has been taken hostage and is being held in Gaza right now, not knowing what the uh, the situation of, of that individual is, or as the anticipated ground operation begins sometime in the near future, the expectation is that there will be the loss of much life and many, many casualties. In anticipation of that ground operation, and in the attempt to eradicate Hamas from Gaza so that uh, this type of thing does not happen anymore, immediately after October 7th, Israel launched an ambitious air campaign against Gaza, for the purpose of targeting Hamas operations. It has been the, the policy of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, to try in every possible way to minimize civilian casualties, damage and collateral damage, to the extent that in, in many, many cases, in fact, most likely in nearly all cases, uh, even before an air target is, uh, is notified, or I should say an air target is actually accomplished, uh, those individuals, civilians, innocent people, who might be uh, in the line of that attack are notified ahead of time and are told to leave so that they will not experience the consequences of that attack. And so we're asking for people to pray for wisdom uh, for the leaders uh, of Israel. We're asking people to pray for strength and for protection and for safety for uh, soldiers and airmen. And we are asking uh, for strength and even help for the families, many of whom have been displaced for various reasons and have some very real physical needs. But we're asking prayer not only for the Israeli Jewish people, but we're asking prayer for Arabs who are living within Israel, and also we're asking prayer for the the civilians innocent people who are not associated with hamas in gaza many of them have had to flee their homes as refugees and our prayer is that a situation would be established when hamas is driven out of gaza that will result in the in the bright future of the the, the people of gaza since 2006 when uh, government has been handed over uh, to the Palestinian authorities over Gaza, the plight of the people of Gaza has been extremely uh, desperate and, and very deplorable conditions. And so we're praying that the future would be better for the residents of Gaza. As we think about the question of peace it's important that we understand that with regard to the, to the scriptures, that there are really two kinds of peace that the Bible talks about. One is world peace. And of course, this is the kind of peace that many, many people want. It's the kind of peace that uh, the Israelis want. It's the kind of peace that many, many people want. And that is a cessation of war and hostilities so that people can just live in their own situation and community and prosper in various ways and not uh, not fear the prospect of looming war. Uh, This is the kind of peace, world peace, that the prophets talk about, the Old Testament prophets. For example, the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 2, verse 4, talks about this piece, and he says this, And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. In a similar statement, the prophet Micah, in chapter 4, verses 1 and 3, uh, talks about this kind of peace, world peace, when he says, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. It is that peace, world peace, that so many people crave today, but the Bible talks about another kind of peace, and that is inner peace, inner peace. It's the kind of peace that Jesus talked about when he said to his disciples, as recorded in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Apostle Paul is also referring to that kind of peace, inner peace, when he says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul talks there about a peace which passes all understanding, a peace that is different from anything that comes from any other source. The kind of peace that Jesus talks about when he says it's a peace that is not as the world giveth, but a peace that is different. Then there's Colossians 3, verse 15, where again the Apostle Paul writes, uh, in this case to the church, the believers in Colossae in Asia Minor, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which all ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Those are two different kinds of peace, world peace and inner peace, but what they both have in common is that both are dependent upon Jesus. The scriptures make it very clear to us that there will not be real peace world peace, absolute peace on earth until Jesus returns in power and glory. That's why the prophets say that this world peace will come only in the last days, when the house of the Lord is exalted upon the earth. And so, as much as the citizens of the world want real, lasting, permanent peace, the truth is that there will not be any real, lasting world peace until Jesus returns. Now, we, of course, hope and pray that between now and that time when Jesus returns, there will be long extended periods of peace upon the earth. They will not be permanent, but we pray for those times. And so we are praying that these conflicts that are going on right now in Israel and in other parts of the world will come to a conclusion and there will be a period of peace for the people involved. But then this other kind of peace, this inner peace, is different because Jesus said that this is a peace that is different And the fact of the matter is, this is a peace that does not depend upon world peace or what is going on around us, but it is a peace that comes from within, a peace that passes understanding. Even when there is fury and conflict and even war and hostility and, yes, even atrocities around us, there can still be a prevailing sense of inner peace that can rule in our hearts. But this, too, is dependent upon Jesus. For this peace comes only from a personal, vital, living relationship with Jesus that is the result of placing one's faith and trust in him and him alone. And so... In conclusion, it is our desire at Hebrew Christian Fellowship, it is our desire and our prayer that many, many Jews, Arabs, and others, through this terrible series of events, would nonetheless find real inner peace through faith in Yeshua. Jesus. And it is also true that we look forward eagerly to that time when there will be real world peace because Jesus has come in power and glory. It was that yearning and that desire that the Apostle John expresses at the very end of the book of the Revelation, chapter 22, verse 20. When he, John, says, even so, come, Lord Jesus. May God bless you who are listening to this podcast and your family. And thank you ever so much for tuning in. And we look forward to meeting with you with Ancient Words, Modern Message, in the next podcast. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Ancient Words, Modern Message. You can expect a new episode every other Monday. So please join us again. Ancient Words, Modern Message is supported by Hebrew Christian Fellowship. To learn more about our ministry or to ask a question, contact us at hcfellowship4819 at gmail.com. If you know someone who might be interested in this teaching, please share it with them. And please consider leaving a review of what you've heard on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make our program even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for Ancient Words, Modern Message, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Ancient Words, Modern Message is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. And I'm your host, Roger Womble reminding you that the Word of God is living and active. Until next time, showers of blessings on you and those you love.